Welcome to What I Meant to Say Was, a weekly podcast from Canon Church where we explore, apply, and sometimes clarify the message from Sunday. And this past Sunday, we continued our goodness of God. Right? That's what we're calling it, the goodness of God. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad it's so memorable. No, wait, wait. wait what are we, we talking about another, again? We had another... There's something about God. We had another yeah. name for it, and then we came back and we Right. All my good. All my goodness. All my goodness. Yes. Goodness but of we God. we did land on the goodness of yes, God. Yes. The goodness of God. Right. Yes. So, week two, the goodness of God, mm-hmm. camping out in Exodus 34, uh, and... Uh, the this passage of scripture that lists all of these attributes of God, right. how God describes God's self, right? And um, and this week, uh, the focus was on mercy and mm-hmm. compassion, and um, so I got to tell my sad tale of woe to try to get some compassion from people with the kids <laughs> and the kids' right. message. <laughs> Did it elicit a compassionate response? Yes, there were a lot of groans from the adults in the room. Right. Yeah. I think the kids were playing with their pillows. Yeah. No, I mean, apparently Pokemon cards are the answer to helping they, everyone. That is right. So we learned. But but um, but yeah, trying to evoke or elicit a response, which is really um, what this, uh, what our understanding of compassion to put ourselves into someone else's shoes in mm-hmm. a sense, to want to help them, to come alongside them. And I think, uh, maybe it was a couple weeks ago that we talked up, I was talking with someone about the, the whole idea of compassion. Like if there was not pain, suffering, mm-hmm. um, uh, um, places of of uh, dis-ease or unrest in our world will we be able to be compassionate is that something is that something that we could even respond with so right. um this whole idea you you really camped out more in the mercy specifically mm-hmm. speaking to um uh the original language and the mm-hmm. the nuance there and um and so um i guess my first question would be um why 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 did you kind of hit mercy more than compassion and maybe it was because of the original language or, right they're, ju- they're yeah. just they're just different translations mm-hmm. to be honest with you they're mm-hmm. just different translations of the same Hebrew word some trans English translations use compassionate I'm you know Yahweh Yahweh compassionate and mm-hmm. gracious others use merciful mm-hmm. um, I think they're they right no one word does justice to the Hebrew mm. um, and uh, I do think that the Hebrew uh, you know Rahum does reflect a character you know a, an attribute of God um, a, a character trait of God which would be true even in the absence of sin in the sense of deep affection I mean that's the kind of root and that's the connection with the Hebrew for womb so there is a deep affection a deep care um, and uh, uh, that does get expressed in ways clearly responding to um, to human sin and injustice in terms of forgiveness and deliverance. So the manifestations are dependent upon suffering and evil yeah. in the world. But the but that feeling of attachment, that affection, um, that is, I guess, to, to keep it tight, closely connected with that mother love of God and, and with the connection with the, uh, the Hebrew for womb, um, I think I think is helpful that it, it begins with that kind of primal connection between God and God's people, um, his affection for them that 
precedes any mm. um, any sin on their part, so to speak. So. Yeah, and and I mean, kind of backing out of that, really, where you started us was these attributes of God and the ways we understand God, mm. and that um, that ninety plus percent of people say right. they they believe in God or trust God, but the question was like, what kind of God? What kind of God? Right. What kind of God? Or right. uh, and then you talked about these four gods right. that um, that were I, can't, I forget the author. Yeah. Yeah. So America's God, right? America's four gods um, by a couple sociologists, actually, and I forget their names all the time as well. It's Paul Frazee, um, or F- I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, and Christopher Bader. And um, so, yeah, they uh, they looked at national surveys of belief in America. They also interviewed people. They were really they're they're kind of two driving questions and I didn't go into this on Sunday are you know how how basically how engaged is God in the world and how judgmental is God and so people who believe that God is both engaged and highly judgmental believe in what they refer to as an authoritarian God and this is really kind of deeply reflective of the Puritan tradition in this country yeah. where God is sovereign and God is watching you yeah. and God is actively disciplining and punishing you on a daily basis um, and uh and so then they contrast that authoritarian God with what they refer to term as the benevolent God who is also engaged but is not primarily judgmental, is instead primarily forgiving and loving and <laughs> encouraging and uplifting. Mm-hmm. Um these can all be somewhat caricatures, and then they talk about a critical God who is not engaged, but who is judging, kind of keeping score, waiting for judgment day, and then it'll let you know how you did. And then a distant God who is neither engaged nor judging, kind of clockmaker God, kind of God of deism is the mm, image right, I got right. Just of, watching of a God who, who, right, and who's really indifferent. Mm-hmm. Like I set You're it up, do what, do what you will, yeah. um, and. Uh, uh, it's in- interesting to me that there are lots of Americans who believe in that kind of a, a distant God. In fact, according to their polling, 24% of the, the, the people polled believe in the distant God. Um, so a quarter of Americans, they estimate. What was the percentage attributed, do you know, to the yeah. authoritarian so God? Authoritative was 31%. It was the most popular Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, when I when I think of ha- this descriptor, um, I also think of Santa Claus and Elf on a Shelf, if mm. I'm saying, right. <laughs> if I'm honest. Right. Like, what does that say about us? Yeah. You know? Well, and that's kind of the subtitle of the book is what we say about God <laughs> and what that says about us. Yeah. And so the most popular God, so to speak, is the authoritative God, 31% mm-hmm. of Americans. Mm-hmm. The benevolent God and the distant God both came in at 24%. The critical God at 16%. And then atheists, they polled at 5%. Hmm. And I've seen some more recent polling that suggests 7%. That number's gone up. Um, hmm. But we're not, we're not actually surrounded by atheists, yeah. however much there may be some hysteria yeah. about that yeah. in the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the vast majority of us believe in God, but yeah, the question is what kind of God? And it's interesting to me because over the years, you know, 25 plus, I think about 27 years of pastoral ministry, from older members, I I hear, I get this sort of odd both and, and I can't quite sort it out. On the one hand, there 
is some nostalgia for the way things used to be. Right. When more of your neighbors went to church, when it could be assumed that most of your neighbors were Christian, it was just a question of what kind of Christian. And yet on the other hand, they very often talk about the kind of God that they were raised to believe in, and it's pretty much always an authoritarian God. Yeah. yeah. And they don't feel drawn toward that God in love. They feel intimidated by that Mm -hmm. God, kind of bullied by that God. Mm -hmm. Preachers were sort of... Manipulative, right, I think, right, you know? right. Like you referenced, uh, right. you referenced the sinners in the hands of an angry God. And yeah. when, when I've yeah. preached on grace, I've had mm-hmm. lots of long-time church members say, "I wish I had heard this when I was young." Yeah. And so it's mm. on the one hand, things were better in some ways, right? Um, and I've talked, I've told stories here about my grandmother, you know, leaving the house unlocked and her wallet on the table for the milkman. The milkman, yeah, right? like, great okay. story. Like yeah. that is like, I cannot imagine, like that mm-hmm. is, like that's better. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time in that very same world, well, one of the reasons why people behave themselves is because they were yeah. terrified of God. Um, mm. So I don't, it's uh, both and for me. It was better in some ways, but worse in others. And, yeah. you know, I'm not sure that it was the gospel being preached. I think it was religion and guilt and fear are powerful motivators. Being such a centrist in every form of the word, right. I would say it's somehow a, a, a tension between the two. For, right. For me, yeah. right? Like in how I understand God in the world and uh, how to navigate uh, um relationships and right. my understanding of who God is and who I am in light of who God is and all those things. Yeah. But well and I and that's actually a great segue if I if yeah, I Yeah, please one, go. Of I, one of the things I didn't explore <laughs> on Sunday and kind of regret, I don't know where I would have fit it in, but mercy is not opposed to judgment, is not opposed to discipline. Um, and as that merciful love, compassionate love, mother love of God gets played out in the Old Testament, most often, like in the prophets, it is evoked or it is promised in the context of exile. The people have been judged. God has given them up to their sins, right. has given them up to the course right. they have chosen. He right. has let them, all right, this right. is what you want. Right. I'm going to let you walk down this road. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm just going to bring you mm-hmm. a little quicker. I'm going to bring it faster. So you get, you hit, you bottom out quicker. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's the judgment of God is giving us what we've asked for. Mm-hmm. And so there actually have been consequences for their sin. There have been consequences for their idolatry. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been suffering. There, there has been justice done. The mercy means the relationship itself will endure and God will now bring them back. He will rescue them. He will yes. bring them. He'll forgive them in the sense that the door is still open on this relationship and we're going to do a new thing. We're going to start a new chapter. We're going to bring you home. We're going to restart this relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is like a husband allowing his adulterous wife to run off with her, (laughs) with her boyfriend. Yeah. And then when that bottoms out, right. He brings her back home and they begin again. Um, And so I think that that's important. I didn't get into that on Sunday, but that's, I did, I think, reference mercy getting manifested as forgiveness and deliverance. And I think it's significant that that's the context. Mm. Um, Even though Israel chose to walk away from God, betray God, and God gave them up to the Mm. idols they chose, Mm -hmm. to the path that they chose, his his compassion never let go of them. Yeah, I, that it's making me think of 
God's compassion is even so much bigger than that because, you know, if you liken it to um, uh, uh, somebody who has had an affair and goes for it and, you know, just go and then come to the end of, yeah, this is not working and I made a big mistake right. and whatever, um, and then coming, trying to come back to the marriage, if you, um, mm-hmm. if you will, um, I'm thinking of like Hosea, like it was right, even right. more extreme yeah. than that. Like, right. I'm not waiting for them to come back. I'm actually going to go get them. Right. That's how much I love you. That's how much mercy and compassion I have for you. Yep. That though I have um, allowed you to do this thing that, you know, that you wanted to do or mm-hmm. go your own way, I am going to come sweep you out of there and rescue you from that. Yep. Um, not wait for you to come back to me. And and that I mean speaks to the 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 compassion the the way above and beyond what we could imagine even right. as being compassionate or merciful. Right. Um, yeah, and Hosea, there are lots of explicit wow. references yeah. to mercy and and compassion mm-hmm. in Hosea. Mm-hmm. Um, so absolutely, it, it it is right there front and center. Um, uh, it also for me, I didn't I didn't think about this until this morning. Uh, we used to watch. Um, this show intervention. Did you ever see that? I've, I've show? seen a couple episodes. I don't yeah. know if they're still making it or not, no. but each episode is a couple different interventions. Um, usually alcohol or drug addiction, sometimes mm-hmm. other types of addiction. Um, and I think those interventions where family and friends confront someone struggling mm-hmm. with an addiction, mm-hmm. they actually are an embodiment of compassion. I mean, the person who's addicted has burned everybody in that room. They have basically, um, chosen their addiction over all of their relationships. Mm-hmm. They've frequently lied, they've stolen, but the family and friends are still there saying, right. and the language that gets used is there's nothing we won't do to help you get better. Mm-hmm. There's nothing we will do to help you kill yourself. Right. Cause that's the path you're right. on. We're not going to do that anymore right. because we love you because we care about you. We're not going to help you kill yourself. But if mm-hmm. you want to get well, we're all in. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's, that is compassion. That is that kind of, deep affection and care, despite everything else, we're still here. The door is still open to a better life and new relationships. And that's really the tension that has to be managed there. I mean, you know, having been in ministry for the years that I have with families that have family members um, that are struggling with an addiction uh, uh, of whatever kind, there is this... There is this place that they come to where they can't figure out, like, am I enabling them to continue in a particular right. pattern, right? Right. right, by doing X, Y, and Z for them? Do I need to just cut them off so that they come to the end of themselves quicker, yeah. right? And, you know, what do I potentially um, – uh, forfeit and 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 you know and and allowing that to happen, or what do I potentially um, uh, move the needle on, but for better or worse, right? Um, as far as outcomes are concerned, and that's I mean, so if we if we can put ourselves, if we can have some compassion and put ourselves in uh, the parent of of an right. addict or the the loved one, the spouse, the whatever uh, family member, um, and wanting to help that person get better versus yeah. You know, come to the end of themselves where there's no turning back. Um, if we can see and and understand God's love in light of that, God's mercy and compassion in light of that, I right. think that's that's really helpful. And I, and I think that's a great example that. And I, I know I've talked with lots of people. I think I've said it from the pulpit too. Forgiveness does not, for example does not mean right. pretending nothing wrong. Right, stuff, right, 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 right. It just means I'm leaving the door open on this relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to let trust 
be restored, rebuilt. Has to be rebuilt. Not a guarantee, right. but if you want to do the work to rebuild trust, mm-hmm. I'm here and I'm, I'm open to mm-hmm. that. Um, so I do think, yeah, and some of those intervention episodes, you could see some parents, and it's usually a mom who's yeah. really struggling yeah. with boundaries and with saying no when she needs to say no because she – she wants to solve the immediate problem, which is he's got withdrawal symptoms or he's desperate. How can I say no? Well, you need to say no now so you can say Mm -hmm. yes later. And that's, it's a, that you can totally see that, that tension, but so hard. And that's where I think family and friends can just say, look, we've got to be together. We cannot, like you said, it's the whole point of the intervention is to, is to, get them to the bottom mm-hmm. right and you, you got two choices mm-hmm. you're totally mm-hmm. on your own or mm-hmm. we're gonna get you some help and and give you a and then how do i mean you know i mean god if you think of god ha- having those the those points of decision with us right. like all right well go and, for and it i feel like judgment you know? is often yeah. like god's divine intervention yeah. i'm gonna I'm going to bring the bottom to you. Mm-hmm. This has gone mm-hmm. on long enough. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing the bottom to mm-hmm. you. Wow. And so the book of Judges, it's one intervention after right. another, right? Right. They People forget God. And it's like, so come on, y'all. God gives come them up. On. They get overrun. <laughs> they cry yeah. out. He helps them. They go, they're, they're good for a while. And then they forget God and they walk away and it all falls apart. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Somehow Ecclesiastes needed to follow judges, but that wouldn't work time wa- timeline <laughs> right. wise with the life of Solomon. But yeah. <laughs> there's nothing new under the sun. We're right. just on repeat again right. and again and again. Well, one other thing that you um, talked about yesterday was when um, the compassion and mercy of God is preached, hmm. that pastors can be accused of being that word woke, which yeah. I've I've been accused, and I was like, right. oh Lord, right. here it comes. Yeah, like by actually preaching the gospel that right. we could be accused of being woke. So unpack that a little bit yeah, for, for so, everybody. Uh, Russell Moore uh, was, a, was a leader in the Southern Baptist Church. He was more or less driven out. Um, uh, uh, I really admire him quite a lot. He's now an editor at Christianity Today magazine, which is the, like, and I think I said this yesterday, it's like the flagship publication in evangelical Mm -hmm. American Christianity started by Billy Graham. I mean, what Mm -hmm. more do you need to say, right? (laughs) So he's written a book called Losing Our Religion. It's an altar call to evangelical America. Um, But he he talked in an an NPR interview about why he wrote the book. And he said one of the reasons was because he had heard from multiple pastors, like not a couple, multiple evangelical, Mm Bible-believing, Jesus-loving pastors who mentioned some of the teachings of Jesus and the way he tells it, it's like, it wasn't the main point of the sermon. It was like, as he's, they're, they're talking about one thing. They quote Jesus, mm-hmm. love your enemies, turn the other cheek, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers. And they had, and he said it was really shocking how consistently they were approached by church members after the service and asked where they got their liberal talking points. <laughs> and when the pastors like reminded them that I was quoting, quoting Jesus, Jesus. Yes. right? I thought everyone would recognize the reference when I mentioned it, but it was Jesus. He said, instead of repentance on the part of the people, right. like, oh gosh, like, I'm sorry. They were insistent. It didn't matter. And mm-hmm. would even like pastors have heard, heard people say, that's not relevant anymore. Um, just, just that just, I, that just makes us weak. Yeah. Yeah. So then it points back to this whole power dynamic that, right. that, 
that that fails to recognize yeah. the um you know as we've this this feels like a refrain in, in many of our um podcast conversations yeah. um the the emptying of himself the forfeiting right. every power every yeah. privilege every anything mm-hmm. you yeah. know Oh, yeah. I, I was I was actually um, I was in Luke's Gospel last week, and the passage of scripture was from um, after uh, Jesus goes missing, and his his parents find him in the um, the temple teaching, and um, and then after you know at the end of that passage of scripture, and forgive me, I'm really bad at addresses, but um, it says that you know Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and in right. favor with God and man, and I was like, wait, Jesus grew in wisdom. Mm. Yeah. It's like that really, really yeah. struck me. Right. Like the right. all wise, all powerful God in yeah. human form grew in wisdom. Right. I mean, and it just to me, it just spoke to me again of how self limiting God mm. was in, mm-hmm. in sending oh, Jesus, yeah. how vulnerable, mm. how every privilege, every right, every power was completely forfeited. Yeah. And for us to think that that preaching the gospel message of God's love, mercy, grace, turning the other cheek, loving our enemies, praying for them is uh, not relevant. Right, right. <laughs> it's just well, bonkers. And, right, and as if yeah. Jesus said those things when Christians ruled the world and their mm-hmm. rights were guaranteed mm-hmm. and they were not being yeah. persecuted. Yeah. As if, like, as if they weren't under Roman occupation, yeah. Yeah. which however good it was for supplying good roads. <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 yeah. It was brutal. It was violent. It was oppressive. Um, life was extremely tenuous. I mean, mm-hmm. you read the Psalms, how many of them are about enemies? Like people felt constantly surrounded yeah. by enemies enemies. The world was a hostile place. That's when, that is exactly in that kind of world that Jesus said those things. So it's like, it is boggling, but it is a good example of reading the Bible through the lens of our politics, which is such a distorting lens. Like we can't think outside our own politics and view them through the lens of the gospel and realize, okay, we're, we've gone to a really, really dark place. And, and interestingly enough, the, the psalmist often like leaving the justice to God, like, right. God, you take care right. of my enemy, you gotta not do something. me. Right. Deliver me. Right. You do something. <laughs> and I'm going to trust that you do your right. thing and I'll do my thing. <laughs> right. Well, and just to circle back to what kind of where we got started on this too, like um, about the, the self-giving, the self-emptying yeah, love. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned a couple weeks ago and I had read it again this past week from, from Philippians 4. I don't remember exactly which verse where Paul says, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Beloved. And to get what he means by standing firm thus in this way, you have to read chapter two and three, mm-hmm. chapter two especially, which is where he says, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Right? Who being in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be exploited. Instead, he right. emptied himself. Right. Right. Took the form of a slave being found in human form. He humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. So mm-hmm. that's how we stand for Jesus in the way that he stood for us, mm-hmm. was crucified for us. So if we're not, if we really can't stand for Jesus in a way other than the way of the cross, that's the only option. Mm. And historically, it's the only thing that's ever even been effective. If we want to be practical, that's when the church <laughs> grows. That's when the church right. thrives, right. when it embodies the mercy of God. We never grow. We never thrive when we play power games. Well, isn't 
that's so interesting. And it's such a it's such a commentary on our inheritance. There was a whole conversation that we mm. had about this in um in the Bible study that yeah. I, I led yesterday, mm. the conversation, and how, you know, across history, across the the narrative of of scripture, um the the firstborn the, yeah. the uh, has right. has forfeited right. its inheritance, um, taking it for granted again mm-hmm. and again and again. And when it does come so easily and is just given to right. us, how much we take that for granted mm. and are not about this relationship we were made for because yeah. we take it for granted. Yeah. Um, is there anything that is there anything that you didn't say yesterday that maybe or a story you didn't tell or? Yeah, I think. I've actually touched on those Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of the connection between God's mercy and God's redeeming judgment. Mm -hmm. I mean, the judgment of God and the mercy of God are actually quite closely related in scripture that it was often to his people in exile because of their sin, Mm -hmm. because of the consequences of that sin, because of, of the justice and judgment of God, they were now promised mercy. It's not like they had earned or deserved anything. Right. right? So that's the Protestant emphasis. This is not earned. It is not deserved. Justice would be, you never come home. Right. Right. But, but God's heart held on to them even when, Mm -hmm. um, Mm. even when they were driven far from him, uh, and sent into exile and, and, you know, and I think that makes me think now about Ezekiel with his vision of God when Ezekiel himself as a young priest is in by the river Chebar in Babylon and that's where he sees a vision of God and he realizes that God has actually gone into exile with his people. Mm. Um, so I, um, I've kind of lost my own train of thought, but I, but I think (laughs) I'm in just kind of reiterating that point that there is a, a close relationship between the mercy of God and the judgment of God. Mm. And that mercy doesn't mean there aren't consequences. Mm-hmm. Mercy doesn't mean right. there isn't discipline that anything goes and it doesn't really matter. No, everything really does matter, everything does. but the relationship will endure. God will hold on to us even when we're doing everything we can to run away from him. Amen. Well, these two woke pastors are done with their conversation. (laughs) (laughs) But if you have enjoyed this conversation, if you would love to to share feedback on this conversation, ask questions, please share, review, um, like this podcast so that others can find us. We are on Apple Podcasts, on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Amazon Music. We look forward to continuing the conversation around the goodness of God in the weeks to come. You have a wonderful week.